So, gents, we're back. It's episode one of season three, our 15th podcast. Welcome back. It's nice to take the hot seat off in for this podcast to kick it off. And today we're introducing Peter Laverdos. Guys, I'm really excited to hear from Peter because he's the managing director of Action Coach in Wokingham and Reading, which is a business coaching business. I think it's going to be very much challenged by rapidly increasing inflation, uh, which will put pressure on people's disposable income, which will affect tenants and uh, their ability to pay rents because wages will not increase at the same rate. That, that'll be coupled by, oh, that sounds terrible, but it's going to be coupled by increases in energy prices. So I think we're in for a very bumpy ride. And uh, what, what does that mean? I think it means that landlords need to start re-looking at how they, how they position their properties in terms of rents and pricing. Um, because there's no point in having a property and asking for a big rent that nobody can afford. Ultimately, as a landlord, I want to have tenants in my properties for as long as possible. And I'd like to have the same tenants in my property for as long as possible. So my strategy is to position my rent and how I look after my tenants accordingly. And I'm going to have to go back and have a look at that, given the pressures that we're all going to come under in the, in the near future. He's also the former operations director of one of the biggest letting agents in the UK and also a private landlord, which for me creates the perfect triangle. Ian, I know you know Peter. What are you expecting to hear from him? I think what, what Peter, whenever I've had conversations with him about anything, he explains very clearly the way to get the end goal of what you're looking to achieve. And that's what I'm quite excited to hear tonight is if there are people that are wanting to be a property investor, he'll probably give them the confidence, the inspiration and the techniques to do that today. And then if there's people that are seasoned portfolio landlords and they're looking to upscale, I think he'll help you have that little push down the line to just a couple of little golden nuggets that will help you just uplift that portfolio. So I think we're going to get a lot of value from this podcast. And yeah, much like you, I'm really, really excited. Interesting. What's what's the big thing? Where are you going to pin Peter and what are you going to ask him? I think goal setting and planning is uh, quite a big thing, as we know. And I think with him dealing with businesses day to day and some landlords as well, I guess, um, working out what the end result is and how they plan around their their busy lives. So it'd be interesting to see from his side and his experience of what he's witnessed over the years and how people can improve. Right. I mean, that's great. I mean, I can't wait to get him on. So whilst it's great to talk amongst the three of us, let's get started. Well, Peter, thanks for thanks so much for joining us on our podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you aboard. We've given you a slight introduction just before we came on, but as we said, you're you've got three sides to this. You led one of the UK's leading letting agents for a number of years. You're a landlord yourself, and you're also a business coach, which is mainly what we'll get into today. So, my first question over anything else, though, is why become a landlord? Yeah, good question. Well, good to see you guys again, and um, and thanks for having me on, chaps. It's it's great. So, why become a landlord? Yeah. Um, so we go back about 10, 15 years now, um, and I think uh, one of the primary drivers was I wanted to have a passive income. Yeah, I was working uh, and bringing home an income and all of that kind of stuff, but I wanted to have a passive income, and I wasn't really sure where to look. Um, yeah, I didn't really understand the stock market in that much detail. Um, you know. 
people said buy gold or what do I know about gold and all that kind of stuff. But I was in the property industry. So I thought, well, yeah, a passive income could come through running a good lettings portfolio. Um, so that's what really got me into it. And, um, and then I thought about it in more detail. And I also thought, well, more than a passive income, probably want something for the kids in the future. And it might be, you know, do, do I let them move into one of the properties or whatever it's going to be? Because, you know, they're going to need a little bit of a, a foot up. And um, also, I saw how property was appreciating. So anybody who's going to invest, whether you're investing in your own company or anything else, you want to get some sort of appreciation, don't you? That's the whole idea. Um, and property ticked all those boxes for me, Mike. It's, it's nice to have different income streams as well. You feel as you go through life, it's something you learn more and more about is stock market versus property versus wages versus side hustle businesses. We'll get into all of this later, but it's nice to have those different streams of income and, and property has been pretty fruitful for everyone over the last couple of decades. That is, that is for sure. Um, yeah. And, um, and on that, and I think it's also nice to be in, to have control. I do like to have control um, over where my money's coming from and my income. Yeah. So, um, you know, property gave me that opportunity. No, brilliant. No, it's, it's interesting when we ask that question, everyone's got a different answer, but it often has the same kind of spine to it. How, as a business coach, I'm just interested to know slightly off topic here, how, how it is for business owners at the moment without going into sort of micro detail, yeah. all the businesses that you've been coaching, has there been any themes? Has there been any trends? Has, has there been crisis or has there been profit? What's kind of been the general sort of theme as you looking at it from an outside perspective? Uh, yeah, so I coach business owners across a whole range of industries, uh, whether it's retail, whether it's service, whether it's property, um, production, manufacturing, all sorts of different industries. And, um, and there have been varied successes based on the industries that they're in. But one common theme is that those business owners that had a plan that really sat down and thought about what their plan was going to be clearly mapped it out and work towards their plan, those business owners are achieving above average returns compared to business owners who are just trying to wing it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing that I find, and, and you know, I'll relate this back to my learning about building a lettings portfolio, um, business owners who are, I would say, humble enough or aware enough that they don't know everything and that they need to learn more stuff in order to do better, they're the business owners that are doing well. They're the business owners who are investing time and learning, and they're the business owners taking their businesses forward. So yeah, it's a it's a tricky market out there. You know, we've got there's inflation and there's uh, energy price increases coming, and there's uh, supply chain issues and Brexit and all that kind of stuff. It just needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a boss of mine, Dale Norton, uh, used to say, "Every market makes a market." So just got to work it out. There's always going to be. Um, there's always going to be things that you need to overcome, isn't there, in anything, whether it's your property business, whether it's your career, whether it's your own personal business, there's always going to be things you have to overcome. And I think you just have to be flexible enough. One thing that it's forced everyone to do over the last kind of two years is, is review and reflect on everything. I think that's been the most important thing is taking state of where you are and where you want to get to. Um, I think so. And, you know, I'd use you guys as an example. Um, you were bold. You, you, you knew what you wanted to do and you just boldly went and did it. Um, and, you know, I respect that. I think it's a great, a great thing. Um, so business owners that are doing that type of thing, being bold and pushing forwards, overcoming the challenges, as you say, 
you're doing well. Good. No, appreciate that. And it's interesting to get an idea on what's going on in the outside world because sometimes we live in our bubble as estate agents. Um, in terms of touching on portfolios, I really wanted to ask you a yeah. question because I'm sure you work a lot with uh, new start businesses as well. You've had conversations yeah. with people that are looking to start their businesses off the ground in different industries, whatever it may be. If we put our kind of thought process in the eyes of someone that really wants to get into property. I met someone just this week, actually, that really wants to make um, make a, a side hustle turn into a full-time career in property. Okay. What, what advice would you give to anyone that's kind of thinking... I want to get into property. What would be the key things that you would say, make sure you focus on these areas off the bat? Mm. I suppose the way I'd, I'd relate this is to how I work with business owners. Mm. Um, and the first, the first question I always, always ask is why, why are you doing this? You know, why is it that you want to start a business, get into property, uh, whatever it might be. Um, and a lot of reasons that people do do the, these type of things is because they think about the returns that they're going to get in their life, you know, whether it's a side income, whether it's more money, whether it's more time, more freedom, whatever it's going to be. But just to work out what that why is. Um, I know you guys are really, I've seen your, your podcasts and your videos and things, and you guys are big on the, on the why and the avocado why. I don't think there's anything more powerful, just life in general, than, than your why or your purpose or your mission. And um, Tristan, I know that's something that you're massive on is the big reason why you left kind of that employed life and you did it a couple of times and different things happened in your life that brought you back or to it. But I think why is massively important. It's a big motivator for you, Tristan, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like you said, I've tried it a few times and I don't think my plan was strong enough due, and due to personal circumstances it changed. But I think it's having sort of listened to many podcasts and sort of sat down with different individuals. I think having that sow along the way certainly helps with that, getting to that target you need. Um, and things are definitely changing this time around. Yeah, goals. Learn goals from your mistakes. Yeah. Is goal setting for, for you, Pete, obviously the why is important. And then off the back of that, you would say focus on the goals. So if someone wanted to build a portfolio, which um, could replace their income and whatever level they're at, everyone's individual, but they wanted to create a, po a property portfolio that would replace their income. That's the key driver for them, for mm. whatever reason it may be. What would be the strategy or the kind of tips that you would, you'd go around goal setting for them? Yeah. Um, yeah, the goals are hugely important. There's one step between the why and the goals that I work with, with business owners on, and that would be, what does it look like when it's finished? Ask yourself the question, what does this, whatever you're doing, this property portfolio, this business that I'm starting, whatever it looks like, whatever you're doing, ask yourself what it looks like when it's finished. Because if you don't know what it looks like when it's finished, you, you know, you're kind of bumbling around the dark, bumping into furniture, and so you'll take opportunities when they come but you probably miss a whole bunch as well and you could be working on the wrong things so ask yourself right what does my property portfolio look like when it's finished um how many how much rental income am i getting um is it all going to be mortgaged or not mortgaged and if it's mortgaged what percentage is it mortgaged how am i leveraging these type of things is it you know is it under a company or is it personal um am I, is it am i going to manage it is it going to be managed by an agent Am I going to have multiple agents? Um, so think about it over, you don't have to have an end date in mind, but what does it look like when it's finished? Yeah. And then get into, into the goal setting. Um, so 
yeah, we can look at a 10-year goal, but boy, is that difficult because who knows how things are going to pan out and what things are going to look like or you know, whether we're even going to be here. But So I'd encourage people to start off looking at five years in the future. And instead of starting now and scaling up, in other words, forecasting, which is a sensible way of doing things, accountants love that kind of stuff, I turn it on its head and I say to somebody, right, think about what does five years look like? How much income do you want to be earning in five years? Yeah. What does your lifestyle ambitions, to, to fulfill that, what income does that require? If you want to be going or traveling the world for six months a year cruising, you need a certain level of income. Right? If that's what you want, that's fine. Just work out what income you need and set that as your five-year goal. Because mm-hmm. once you've set your income based on what you want out of life, then you can start working out how you deliver it. So if I know my rental income needs to be X in five years' time, then I can work out how many properties do I need at an average of X income per month? How much tax am I going to be paying on it? What are my expenses going to be? What's my net income as a result of it? And therefore, does it meet my requirements? And then I'd say, once you've worked that out, then scale it backwards, you know, four years, three years, two years, one year, and, and work out what you're going to do. Then take that which is really your five-year business plan on one page. Take that and break it down into the first 18 months. Just the first 18 months. Month by month by month, get very clear on what action you are going to take each month, or actions and multiple, each month, so that you are working towards your goal. And then do it. Once you've done the thinking, then execute it. Because otherwise it doesn't just happen on its own. I would imagine as well when someone's gone to that that detail of planning and we're not talking crazy you know hours and hours of detailed planning you're kind of putting on paper what you've already got in your head this vision this goal this dream and then you're putting in in play after you've created that the structure around what action you can take instantly mm. but I'd imagine more people are likely to take action and I find so many people want to invest in property but they're hesitant but actually if you go through that process you've almost written down the, the actual idea. I know, Mike, you're very logical in how you operate, but that, that makes sense for you, I would imagine, is, is having that kind of, that order of planning in play would give you more confidence to then bite the bullet or make the investment, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sets deadlines, which is the most important thing. I think probably 90% of the UK, if you set a deadline for the end of the month to complete something, you'll find those people doing it on the 29th. Um, and if there was no deadline, it would never get done at all. So if, if you write a forecast and then split it down into what you need to do each month to actually succeed in that forecast, people are at least going to look at it once a month, which is better than 99% of people out there. And I think what gets forgotten is your buy-to-let property, whether you're Mr. and Mrs. Smith with one flat at the end of your road or whether you're Mr. Jones with 20 properties in a, in an absolute empire, your buy to let is a business and it should be treated like a business. Um, which as, as Peter quite rightly said, I think a lot of people come into some money, whether it be pension money, savings, inheritance and think, well, I better buy a property and then that's it. There's no, there's no planning and there's no, what does this look like? in 10 years or 15 years because if you don't know what it's going to look like in 10 or 15 years it will look like what it looks like now um or a a worse version of it 
um, which is which is the most important thing. So we run our business off off a forecast sheet, um, which we spent a lot of time putting together. And I can tell you down to the pound, down to the penny where we'll be at the end of this year. Um, and I can say, hands up, as, as, a, as a landlord for years, I didn't do that. Um, I had an idea that I wanted to get to a certain amount of properties. I got about halfway. And that's because I took the opportunities as and when they came as someone who was in the property industry, rather than saying, right, by the end of this year, I need to have another one in my portfolio. There wasn't that targeted strategy towards it. And you can associate that with so many things in life, but it's very, very true. I know Peter from working with you, it's write it down and then, then the action sort of comes from there. Otherwise it's just a dream, isn't it? It's, it's not a target. It's not, it's almost not achievable. Um, I have to admit I had a running target for last year and I did 20% of it in the last 14 days of the year. (laughs) (laughs) And got myself injured. So yeah, when we're talking buy selects, it, it makes makes sense to do a structured plan. Would you say that's one of the the easiest mistakes for people to make in business, whether we're linking it to portfolio management or growth, but just in business, that's one of the easiest mistakes is they just rabbit in a headlights twenty four seven. Yeah, uh, and and what does that, that what does that end up in? It just ends up in you doing a lot of stuff. Somebody doing a lot of stuff and being really, really busy, but not actually moving forward mm-hmm. because they're not necessarily working on the right stuff that will move them forward. You know, uh, we all read a lot of stuff and you guys are athletes, you do lots of running and things and you're inspired by coaches. And um, you know, Clive Woodward, when he coached the, the English team to win the 2003 England World Cup, he, he was talking about have real clear focus on 1% improvements. You don't have to go in and change the world overnight. In fact, not many people can ever do that. But what we can all do is we can be 1% better each day. Or we can get better at specific things. And planning is a really important part of that. Let's get really good at planning. You're right. It doesn't have to be big in detail. It just needs to be good enough so that we can design the lettings portfolio that we want the way that we want it. And I guess if someone's just got a single property and, you know, they want to they want to double that or triple it or over a period of time, they want to get somewhere by maybe just setting aside in their personal diary, just a bit of locked in time, which might be learning about new creative finance. It might be educational. It might be going out and doing some sourcing or talking to a more experienced landlord or talking to a lettings agent for advice or mortgage advice, anything really. But if it's there in in their diary by default, then that would probably help them, I would imagine, get to the goal of the five-year plan. Yeah, um, really good point about seeking advice uh, that you made in there on top of all the others. Uh, And when I go back to the beginning, I spoke to a lot of people, and I was fortunate enough to be close to these people and know them, but I spoke to a lot of people about how to go about this. They had, A, built successful portfolios themselves. They understood a lot more about this than I did. Um, So I just hung out with them. I just spent time with them. I just found out what worked for them, took that knowledge, took that advice, and, um, and put it into, into what I did. And one of the main, one of the key areas was after you've done your planning and things, just get the first one right. Hmm. So whatever property you buy, be really careful about the first one. Because if you get it right, you've already built yourself a good infrastructure or foundation to build from. 
if you get it wrong, it's really going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great point. And especially in property, because if people are on social media and they're looking at all of the different um, avenues these days that show these amazing yields and returns and stuff like that, that are up North or wherever they may be, it's very easy to get caught in that trap, but those people know what they're looking for. If you stay, we, we advise people, especially for your first one, stay local, stay safe. We always talk about family homes and how solid that investment is on this podcast because we know they will let, and we know that that freehold family home will always have the best equity growth long-term as well. But I completely agree. It's definitely for the, for the future investors that are listening to the podcast and the new landlords that are going to um, turn this into a business model at any level this year, stay local, stay safe, say, say somewhere that you know you're not losing out on and, and seek the advice for, for people that have done it. Because as you mentioned there, Peter, for you, it was replicating someone else's success was, was a bit of a no-brainer by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah. I think the biggest the biggest excuse that I get, I'll probably phrase it that way, is that your investment as a buy to let property doesn't doesn't shout at you, doesn't demand your attention on a on a day to day basis. So it's easy to ignore it in favour of your family, your work, y- your day to day life. What's what's the best way for for a property investor to stay engaged on on that side of things? Um. For me, it was um, getting a kick up the arse because I didn't do that for the first couple of years. I didn't stay on top of it. I had a managing agent. I thought, oh, they'll do it all. And once they did 90% of the work, I didn't acknowledge my obligation. I didn't understand my obligation that I own a property that other people are living in, that it's got to be a pleasant experience for them. It's got to be fair for them. It's got to be right for them. Um, and therefore, I have to make decisions quickly. I have to do things quickly. So, you know, the best way to learn is by making mistakes yourself. Um, and I did that. And what did I learn? Well, in order for me to keep on top of things, I now make sure I'm looking at the, the money all the time, every single month. Right? I want to know what's coming. I want to know what's gone out. Um, and I have a cash flow forecast, something I do with business owners as well. Cash flow forecast for, for 12 months. So I know by the end of the 12 months what my lettings portfolio is going to generate. Um, I know where I'm going to be spending my money. And unless something extreme happens, I typically end up pretty close to what my cash flow forecast looks like. And the cash flow forecast is really important because it tunes the mind into what's in your bank. All right. It's the actual cash in the bank. Um, and that, Mike, it's a good question. And that's what keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I wish I'd known that right from the start. It's a great tip for so many people because so many people that try and get into property or want to get into property don't go to the level of whether it's an Excel sheet or some sort of business strategy template. What's also quite exciting about a cash flow forecast is you're forecasting where it should be. And mm. by being in control of that, you, you don't do anything naive that takes you off track from getting to the end goal as well. I like that. And I think a lot of property investors, obviously it relates to any business owner, but a lot of property investors, it's something that they could um, take a lot from when they're looking to monitor, grow, advance, or just maintain really whatever bracket or whatever bucket you fall in as an investor. That's definitely one to look at. It's, it's slightly on the same point, but I would imagine time is, is very common 
um, as an excuse, an objection, a reason in your line of work, Peter, as a business coach, I would imagine that's one of the most frequent issues that you have to overcome with business owners is to sort out time management for people in their techniques of how they live their life and turn it into a habit. I would imagine it's exactly the same for a lot of portfolio investors. Any techniques that you could share with the listeners that that would be quick wins for people that want to have more time management so that they can grow a portfolio? Yeah, um, you're right. Time, time is often an excuse that we all, including, including me, many times use. The interesting thing is, if it's important enough, you find the time. Mm. If you prioritize it, you find the time. So time actually becomes an excuse. I don't have time to do it. It's an excuse for, I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Or it wasn't important enough to me. I chose to focus on something else. So, yeah, work out what the priorities are. Focus on the priorities and you won't have a problem with time. You won't because you'll be doing the most important things. You know, you know Richard Branson has the same number, number of hours in the day that we do. He hasn't said time's held him back from buying an island. I can't buy my island because I didn't have time. He just focused on the priorities. You just focused on it. Yeah. I listened to um, Diary of a CEO, a great podcast. And on that podcast, they were talking about, I can't remember the exact number of time credits that you have, but effectively they've averaged out that everyone has, let's call it 50,000 time credits. And in your life, that's the amount of free time you have where you're not sleeping, you're not um, working, you're not doing anything that you kind of have to, to function in life. These are your free time moments where you're not traveling, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of his personal goal is very much to try and add more tokens, get more credits and time management is just, it's what I was talking to a friend earlier on today, actually, and we've, we've both got young kids now and we don't see each other that much. And we did just say it's so hard with time because whether you're doing ballet or football coaching or whatever at birthday parties or whatever, um, but if, the, if it means that much to you and if you really want to build that portfolio and the reasons are correct because it's going to give you, it's going to give you more money, but you want more money to create more, more lifetime, I guess. You want, more, you want more moments that you're not committed to doing something that you don't necessarily want to be doing or you could have more personal time with family. And I guess that links it back to what the big, the big driving force is for, for a lot of business owners and, and portfolio investors, I would say. Yeah, and um, yeah, we can always get up earlier. If we are short of time, we can get up earlier. We can watch less TV. We can uh, go to bed later. We'll always find, you can always find the time. Yeah, I love a quote. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about, um, he, he's on stage talking about how he became successful and people will go in time, 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 time. And he said, you know, you, everyone always says to me, you need more sleep. And he says, you don't need more sleep. You just need to sleep faster. <laughs> I love <laughs> yeah. that. His, his view was five hours sleep is, is good enough. And if you think you need eight, you don't, you just need to sleep faster. I thought that was brilliant. Um, really, really good. Uh, um, Tristan, I want to pass over to you because I know you're big on these quick fire questions for Peter. Um, sometimes they're quick, they're not. We call them quick fire. Sometimes they're long fire. So we, we don't mind. Um, but the answers are always great and topical. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Tristan. Yeah, so the, the question is more personal related as opposed to sort of business mind. So it's just your honest opinion of what's, what you feel is going to happen. Um, so the first one is basically to do with the property market. What do you think happens next? Ooh. 
<laughs> uh, what happens next? A continued shortage of supply um, a, a, and therefore an upward pressure on rents. Um, I think it's going to be very much challenged by rapidly increasing inflation, uh, which will put pressure on people's disposable income, which will affect tenants and uh, their ability to pay rents because wages will not increase at the same rate. That, that'll be coupled by, oh, that sounds terrible, but it's going to be coupled by increases in energy prices. So I think we're in for a very bumpy ride. And uh, what, what does that mean? I think it means that landlords need to start re-looking at how they, how they position their properties in terms of rents and pricing. Um, because there's no point in having a property and asking for a big rent that nobody can afford. Ultimately, as a landlord, I want to have tenants in my properties for as long as possible. And I'd like to have the same tenants in my property for as long as possible. So my strategy is to position my rent and how I look after my tenants accordingly. And I'm going to have to go back and have a look at that, given the pressures that we're all going to come under in the, in the near future. I think that's great. Yeah, I really like that answer. And sorry to interrupt, Tristan, on your quick fire, because I'm going to fire at Mike, as he's now the, um, he's the VIP of the referencing companies in the UK after starring on their podcast hosts which last week he did remind us was our most downloaded podcast ever so bragging rights no pressure here mike but in, in peter's and um assessment there which i cannot disagree with in any way do you think there needs to be a little bit of a change or a rethink in the referencing process with that in mind well i've always found it difficult to believe that a tenant can afford the affordability calculations that are provided to them by the reference companies which is government-led, which is two and a half times, uh, you, you have to earn two and a half times the, the annual rent. So if you're looking to rent £1,000 a month, your earnings have to be, what, 36 k um, which 12000 out of 36, that's the pre-tax. So 12000 out of, what, just on 28, maybe, leaves you £16,000 to live on through the year, which is under £1,500 a month, it feels really tight to me. Um, and that's being squeezed more and more by increasing rents that they, in the pace that they've been going over the last 12 months. So yes, I do. And I think it's sensible of landlords to, to scale their rents at that level because whilst we're living in a world of probably the most inflation that I've ever seen as, as an adult, interest rates on mortgages are also the cheapest they've ever been. So to an extent, landlords aren't living in an inflation-led world. They're living in a totally different economy, and, and maybe they should look at, in the next 12 months, passing on that benefit a little bit. It depends on the asset, I guess, doesn't it? it if you've got a property which Peter mentioned about making the right investment, but if you made the wrong investment and it needs electrical work or it needs appliances or these maintenance issues, that's as expensive as it's ever been for trades and very difficult but at the same time, if you bought a new build and you haven't had to do that, then yeah, I totally agree that the gap is increasing, isn't it? And I just worry for tenants that they put themselves in a difficult situation because they want to move out of mum's place. They're, you know, they're a new couple. They want to live together. And that affordability level just seems a little bit light when you add in utility, cost of shopping, fuel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, My council tax bill is going to race up this year. I know it for a fact. You know, all of these things are going to get more expensive when, you know, a lot of salaries aren't going to follow suit. So it's if, if, you're, if you're looking at tenants right here, right now, and someone says, yeah, they fit our affordability criteria. 
that's all well and good, but how far into that affordability criteria do they fall? If it's really, really tight, this time next year, the affordability will be squeezed. There's no doubt about it. A bit of common sense has to come involved as well. And sort of, Peter, on your estate agency sort of background, um, I know you were involved in growing the agency rather than um, being the estate agent as such, but common sense is sometimes hard to come by in our industry, but that's, that's definitely something that I think when you select an agent, you're really looking to make sure that the agent has got that experience, that professionalism and that common sense for, for this scenario that we talk about here, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. Uh, your choice of agents is critical. You know, just like your choice of demographic. Do you want to, do you want to appeal to families? Do you want to appeal to t- students? Do you want to appeal to commuters? Your choice of agents is critical as well. Uh, and it comes down to things like, you know, if you were in a business and you were choosing a telephone supplier or an IT supplier or you know, whatever it's going, you would be very careful about who you selected. You would look at their, 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 their history, their performance, their customer satisfaction, their, all of that kind of stuff, and their commercials, and then you would make your decision. And it's very much the same in lettings. Um, be very careful about the agents you choose. Mm-hmm. Do they have the same values that you have? Do, will they deliver what you are looking to deliver? Understand them. But also, the, the job of a landlord is not to beat the agent up. The job of the landlord is to find an agent where there's a good partnership, where you can both work together for the benefit of the tenant, ultimately. Yeah. Yes, the landlord's going to make the money. The tenant's got to live there. It's a win-win if you can get both those things right. Yeah, 100%. I did say these aren't always quick-fire questions. Christian, back to you for number two. (laughs) It it takes me back to the Megan podcast, which say you get out what you put in, and by attracting the wrong tenant will attract the bad scenarios. So it just goes down to find the right property for the right demographic of tenant you're looking for, and you'll get that. Yeah. Um, So moving on to my next question then, um, if you was to invest in the perfect buy-to-let deal, what does that look like to you? One that somebody gave me, <laughs> gave me a property <laughs> with a tenant. Um, perfect buy to let deal. Um, so I like to let to um, to families. So I probably look for a three bedroom detached um, near a, near a good school. Um, that's great for bringing up kids in a nice area. That's great for bringing, bringing up kids. Um, I would buy well if I could buy just below market value. Even better, it would be in good condition. Um, um, and it would uh, it would have a good rental yield, low maintenance. You've been watching my videos, haven't you? I have. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, what's the best piece of property advice you can give someone? I think we all we're all different in terms of our requirements, but build your property portfolio or buy your properties for for what the end result looks like. Yeah, think. Start with the end in mind. It's the it's the Stephen Covey Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Number two habit is start with the end in mind, and then be proactive. Um, so my end in mind is long term. Best piece of advice I can give myself is find properties that are good for the long term. But that's because I know what my end in mind looks like. So that's the best piece of property advice I could give. Work out your end in mind. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that because I think I use that in my life so often in different areas, but not in my property 
part of my life in, in, in that part of the business. And th- this podcast for me has kind of actually made me think you do some things really well in life and then some things that are important to you, you, you haven't really given them the full level of commitment. So I've enjoyed this podcast for that reason. Thank you very much for your your ideas, your techniques and your suggestions to people. And I'm hoping our listeners have saw, seen a different side to the podcast today where, you know, Peter shared a lot of different ideas that, that make successful businesses. And if you want to be a successful landlord, you have to be a successful business owner because that's what it is. You're building assets within business. So thank you so much for your time. If people want to get in contact with Peter, obviously we'll put his details within the podcast. Um, if you're a business owner and you want to have a chat with him about some coaching, then obviously we will set that up as well. You're always welcome to drop us a DM and we can pass details over. So yeah, really enjoyed having you on Peter and thank you. We might do part two in a few months to come, depending on how the market unfolds, if you don't mind. Absolutely, love to. And uh, thanks for having me. And if it gets enough downloads and views, then yeah, let's be part two. If not, don't invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Peter. All right, Jess. Thanks very much. Good to see you all. All the best. So, guys, that's us wrapping up number 15 in the can. And I've got to say, I was expecting this to be the best. And I, I think it's proved it was the most enjoyable one for, for me to record, certainly. My big takeaway before I throw to you guys was he didn't say it directly, but he insinuated it as being a landlord. Is being a landlord being an accommodation provider for other people or is it business? And where do you draw that line? I think it was really, really well put and really, really well punctuated by Pete. So Tristan, what's your big takeaway? So the biggest takeaway for me was when you're setting your goals, plan five years ahead and work your way backwards. And then the end result will be the five-year plan, essentially. So what do you want to get rental-wise? What do you want to get, whether it's mortgage-free, whether you want to have mortgages, but more properties? What is your end result going to be in five years' time? And work your way backwards of how that plans out to make that happen. I really like the way he, he ticked that off, actually, didn't he? He kind of listed a load of things that I would just write down into an excel sheet personally and kind of go right this is this is what i want to achieve and this is my excel sheet and these are the kind of things that i want to tick off and have little micro goals to the big big kind of goal yeah i love that point tristan and i think we probably all do it in different ways whether you're into your fitness or whether you're into business and stuff like that we all do it in different ways but i don't know too many landlords that i've spoke to that really break it down into that kind of micro level of what they're trying to achieve so i think that could be really powerful for good strategists within the property investing sector for sure Um, i think we did we did 30 or 40 minutes here and i reckon you could have done two and a half hours quite easily um in conversation with peter so we let him off lightly but but what was the highlight for you I actually really, really liked, and it's got me thinking, the conversation that that we kind of had between the three of us about referencing, actually, and just his analysis of where he feels the economy that relates to the property industry or relates to the rental market in particular, potentially might go, and how you select tenants and what's going to change for tenants. And we were talking a lot about demographic, and Tristan, you mentioned about, you know, Megan's, where it was what you're going to put in is what you're going to get out and sparking the question is referencing right and best for the tenant because if they get it wrong and they're too keen to move out of home or they're too keen to rent a more expensive property financially they can really sort of cripple themselves and we have to do right by not just looking at the desire but looking at the practicality and 
you know our industry is is a sales industry by definition is how people relate it to and is there such a thing as just putting a quick deal together that actually doesn't benefit the tenant and therefore the landlord because if they can't pay it it hinders your client um that for me was a really really important topic that i think we'll talk about more detail down the line and I think it's something off camera we'll probably discuss as well and, and, and have more conversations about because I hadn't thought about that previously, but inflation dictates that. So it was quite interesting. I always like to come away from it and it gets me thinking and that one definitely did. Yeah, it's great. It's great to walk away having done 30, 40 minutes and actually learned something and something that you can take away and consider a form an opinion of. And just from a personal level, I really want to thank Pete because he, he spent a lot of time with us in the last two years in forming and, and, and transforming our business from, from one that was a small business to a real, real growing business and, and something with real personality. So as I said at the start of the, the pod, Pete is a business coach uh, and he owns, he's the managing director of Action Coach in Reading and Wokenham. We'll put the links on um, and his LinkedIn as well if anybody wants to, uh, to follow what he does, how he does it um, and attend any one of his days, then uh, we can firsthand thoroughly, thoroughly recommend, they recommend his, uh, his work. Yeah. So that's the end of number 15. Number 16 comes next week. We're all looking forward to it. See you soon. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously a stamp duty cost that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.